please be advised. This episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome back to Wickedness. I'm Lenny. And I'm Matt. And last week, we covered the crimes that the Manson, and or the Manson, Charles Manson, <laughs> and his family members committed because they're crazy asses, including the ran- randomness of who was chosen as victims. Because if you remember, for the LaBiancas, they were literally driving around looking for someone. They were trying to figure out who are we going who to Who to take next. out. And then it's just a... Uh, by happenstance, you know, the unlucky ones. Right, yeah, basically. So I mean, Charlie pulled up in front of the house and said, this is the one, and that's how it ended up. Well, well then, too, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, and we talked about it last week, but then how he tried to frame, you know, let's say the Black Panthers starting a racial war, oh, yeah, he was and that totally stupid. did not pan out. No, nothing all. he wanted to do really panned out, except for the murders, which is tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this week, we're, we're going to cover the, the Manson trial, because... The last two weeks, we introduced you to the family, and then we covered the murders, and now we get to go over the trial. And the reason it's so drug out why we did three parts is, one, I didn't want to bore everybody to tears by talking for an hour and a half, two hours. and It would have been long. Yeah. And two, it's better to break it up like this, I think. I so think so, too. The trial was a fiasco in itself, like like trials that we've followed in the past, like the O.J. Simpson trial, if you remember that, mm-hmm. it had its comedy moments, even though it was oh, a yeah. horrible murder trial. And if the Bernie Sanders glove doesn't fit, <laughs> you mitt- must acquit. You should say Bernie Sanders mittens. Mittens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't right. rhyme. It doesn't flow. Or, you know, like, think of the Casey Anthony case. Look at all the crap they had against her. They had her on um, video. From the jail when she's talking to her parents mm-hmm. during their visits on phone rec- recordings yep. when she was from jail. They had so much evidence against this woman alone and she still got acquitted. And these are trials mm-hmm. that we just couldn't take our, our eyes off of, you know, and there's so many more. There's Jody Arias. There's there's so many other trials that are televised and they're public that everybody followed. Like the Manson trial, horrible murder, but just. Of all the things that could go on during a trial, they had the dumbest crap come up. Well, but the Manson family didn't get away with it. They were not acquitted. They got away with some things only for so long, and then they got found out. Yeah. Well. Okay. So they. I should. I should rephrase this. The Manson family didn't get away with the murders they were tried for, but the ones that they weren't tried for, they got away with those. Mm-hmm. There was never closure, and they. I think it was like thirty-five. People they suspected he murdered. Jeez. Or had some, you know, had order to have them. to do with yeah. it in some sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. 
he got away with those, but they he wasn't tried for those. Mm-hmm. So in all fairness, he he was never set free or whatever. But yeah, they still had one stupid thing after the other th- for throughout the whole trial. It was just nuts. Yeah, there was some shenanigans throughout the whole thing. Yes, it did. It brought to light stuff that the hippie lifestyle. Mm-hmm. How, a lot of fanfare. It was a carnival. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. And and come see sh- the bearded lady. <laughs> just showed you how crazy they all were. Yeah. But also how much power he had over everyone. Yeah. And how he wasn't afraid to speak up either. Like he mm-hmm. he blatantly tried to bribe people he uh, he threatened people in the courtroom he 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 wasn't scared no no just stupid right <laughs> <laughs> so anyway go ahead and matt's gonna I mean, take this one this yeah. week he's gonna host it this week i know i'm such a gentleman oh no right? give, give it a, give you guys a rest from hearing my annoying nasally voice well hopefully i won't sound too bad <laughs> so let's get into this so the murders were committed uh in august and they had become known as the Tate-LaBianca murders because Sharon Tate was an actress, and the murders took place at her home, and Le- the LaBiancas uh, were next to be murdered by the Manson family. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it became known as those two right. Tate-LaBianca murders. Yeah, well, uh, I mean... The, fam- the, the famous... To Sharon Tate's this Yellow Drive house, that those murders took place on August 8th, 9th, you mm-hmm. know, late, early morning, late night, early morning. Yeah. Of August 9th. And then the very next night, the LaBiancas were murdered on the 10th. Yeah. And and to the police, as we mentioned last week, kind of a recap too, is they were at a loss as to the murders. Like who who done it basically for months. So they had nothing tying the family to the murders. However, the family wasn't off the radar because, of course, they were living at Spawn Ranch. And the police conducting a raid on suspicion of car theft and guns. So that started kind of the whirlwind of things coming about. And there were several arrests made during this raid, including Susan Atkins. Like we mentioned last week, while she was incarcerated, she spilled the story claiming responsibility for the murders to two inmates who ended up turning her in. Yeah. So they uh, Which t- is so basically stupid. took her down. Yeah, and these two women, when they, when they like told their story about what Susan told them in prison... They were terrified of her yeah. because of the story she told, first the, off. The gruesomeness, probably. She got into details. And, yeah, she went into major detail, and she claimed, and like she she just claimed some seriously sick crap that later on someone put doubt in and said, no, she didn't do those things, you know, like licking mm-hmm. blood off of her hand. They said she didn't do those things. Do you but think- she claimed that she, I was like, let me elaborate. Let me make myself seem freakier than I really am. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Do you think what did she do that just to to look like she's a badass so people won't mess with her? To mm-hmm. look at me, look what I did. I'm. I don't know. It's like how awesome am I? I'm in the I'm in the the cell here in prison and look what I did. I'm I'm a scary sob. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's just all I do know is that even though. They were terrified of her. They still tried to turn her in. And the crazy thing is, one of them, I believe, told her attorney who tried to report it for her. And they just ignored Mm -hmm. the story. Yeah. And then another one had tried to make a phone call to the actual police department to say, this is what I heard from another inmate. Yeah. 
And it took them forever to get back to her, to yeah. set up an interview with her at the police or at the prison. And then to finally tie it down to Sadie and then who she was connected to and all that. Like it took months even after that. Yeah. And into being that they're inmates already. I mean, how believable are they? Is this just some, yeah, but it's not are they something nut jobs you, to, you think, you know, okay, well we've got to have some kind of follow up. And they did, but it wasn't as quick and proactive as it, as and it, it, sh- it should have been actually, it wasn't as quick and proactive as it probably should have been. Especially since they had months of not knowing have gone by that. And, and this, these ladies had details that they hadn't released. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because this chick told oh, on yeah. herself and right. everybody involved. And they go, well, this has to be true. Right. This person had, had to do it or they were also told. Right. So then they But they sat on it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. sad, you know, and it's kind of like that. I think I mentioned it last week, the story of the little boy when the police were trying to find the guns or the gun that was involved in this case. Mm-hmm. You know, when they had left the crime scene that night, they tossed everything. They tossed their clothes out the window and they tossed a gun out the window. Yeah. This little boy playing in his yard on a hillside finds the gun, but because he watched Dragnet, he, he knew what to do. He knew what to do to yep. not you know mess mm-hmm. up evidence but he gets the gun to his dad who also handled it with care handed it to the police officer who just took it didn't bag yeah. it didn't do anything yeah. tosses it in the car smearing handprint you know putting his own handprints on it things like that like did not take care of it and logs it into evidence but does not like no one knows that this is the gun that they're looking for no one even bothers to say hey guys we found a gun mm-hmm. anyone looking for one might want to check it yeah. out hello took forever to tie that gun to, and by then, it was, like, useless almost. Almost. Yeah. You know, because of the mishandling. Be, to, Not to mention, oh, sorry. Well, no, like, when they have their meetings, morning meetings or the assignments, they get together. You see it, even back in the day, you see it on chips, right? <laughs> the, yeah. The sheriff, I mean, he's up there, the head guy, he's up top, you know, telling them assignments, what's going on, yada, yada, yada. We think that'd be a time to go around the room for divisions to say, hey, this division, hey, we found the gun. This is the type of caliber. This is the gun we found. This is where we found it. Just want to let you guys know if you could think that you're looking for something, you know, a gun, a weapon, um, this caliber, because you found the bullets in these people. Well, here's here's one, you know. Like, there would be information that they're talking about around the room. Well, you would think they would do that, but I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, there's another thing tied in this case, too. When... Susan Atkins had given her story and everything, and Mm -hmm. people were starting to make arrests of the Manson family, all that. They still hadn't found the bloody clothes. And, you know, Linda Kasabian, she was like the main, what what is it, witness for Mm -hmm. the state's witness? Yes. So she had told them that she had stopped and they had thrown their bloody clothes. They had changed clothes in the car after the murder, and they had thrown their bloody clothes off of the side of of a the road or whatever and down a hill. Yeah. She gave them exactly where it was. Sadie kind of or Sadie Susan Atkins same thing. She kind of told the same or a similar story, same similar thing. The police went out there and looked and didn't see anything supposedly. I don't know were they not looking in the right place or what. Mm-hmm. But some news people got a copy of Susan Atkins and Linda Kasabian's statements. And they were like, let's go look ourselves. They're the ones who found the freaking clothes. Yeah. The news people. Yeah. 
think about this. Think if they, you know, we could always Monday morning quarterback or, hey, let's get away with murder. Because everybody's seen enough murder shows to feel like <laughs> right? they can get away with it. One, they burned the clothes, right? They got rid of them somehow, some way. But let's say they did. The gun, what if they disposed of it, like buried it, like took it off, whoever had it, buried it, like even broke it down into different pieces and threw stuff away out. And then, and then lo and behold, what if, what if Susan Atkins never spoke? I think if she had never spoken, if she had never told think? her story, I don't know that they would have ever solved this. That case. or, you know, somebody ends up yapping at some point. Cause there were so always. many people involved. There's always somebody. Mm-hmm. I had a lawyer once tell me, you know, the best person to get away with anything is just to be a one single man job. Like if you're going to rob a bank, do, do it by, by yourself. yourself. You can tell only anyone. tell on yourself. True. So if you're the one yapping, well, then you deserved it. Right. For sure. That's true. So that's one way, right? But yeah. I mean, you just kind of wonder. But this led to police connecting the Tate and LaBianca cases and the eventual arrest of those involved. Although Susan Atkins later recanted her story and she changed it, but it was it was too little too late. Yeah. At this time, at this point. And, and they say that she only did that because Charlie had sent one of the other family members to visit her mm-hmm. and they talked to her. Yeah. So she was Ooh. like, shoot, I wonder what quiet. that conversation was like. If only was it a good one. Uh, hey, you trying to sell it? Or was it like, if you don't do this, then we're going to to be a fly on the wall. I just wonder, you know, for sure. So the prosecution had already conducted interviews and knew the story from uh, Linda Kasabian, who ended up being the state's witness, as you had said mm. just a minute ago against the ma- uh, man, I want to say the Masons, the <laughs> Manson and the others. You would think that the main focus would be on these horrific murders, but the Manson family stole the show with their outbursts, family members camping outside of the courthouse, rumors of passing notes that got uh, attorneys changed and caused the family to show up looking like, um, and so much, so many more things are just going on. So much drama happened yeah. in this trial. And we'll, we'll get into this. So the first thing that happened in the in this trial was the judge sequestered the jury. The trial was already high profile due to the who the victims were, of course, and also it was known that the judge had already started receiving threats to himself, and he had the sheriff make uh, get guards basically and a driver available for him at all times. Yeah, could you imagine that? Mm-hmm. You're the judge. And you're receiving oh, death yeah. threats already before the trials even begun. Like you're just selecting the jury, yeah, and you're sequestering them to keep them away from news because it's everywhere. Everyone is like, "Oh, they they caught the Sharon Tate murder yeah. murderers." It was everywhere. It was in every paper. Well, and the family was the was big, and then not only just the family members, but people that were during this the the hippie movement that kind of caught on to it and leached onto it would, would were vocal. Right, probably. Yeah, like I said, it was everywhere. But, you know, the main sources of getting your news when you're just a regular human being, you're not hippie and an upper and living on the streets and yeah. all that, is newspapers, mm-hmm. word of mouth, yep. and the news. Everyone watched the news back then. Yeah. Everyone read their newspapers. They did all these things. And so the the lawyers and the judge decided not to expose the jurors. They couldn't be exposed to the case, which makes sense. You want to get them sequestered so that they don't have ties to the outside world, so they can't yeah. make decisions mm-hmm. on guilt or innocence based on some biased news yeah. report. Well, too, in a minute, you know, on a news report, a paper that came out, and then also uh, from the news itself, 
we'll talk about that could have helped Charlie out, but it didn't. It didn't. It yeah. didn't help him. But <laughs> I think could, I know what you're talking but it about. Could, but it, yeah, but it could have. Yeah. So, but we'll get into that. <laughs> so also during the trial, all the way from the beginning, several of the family members requested their lawyers be fired and switched with other lawyers. Charlie wanted to defend himself, and he was granted that right at first, but it was later taken from him because he wasn't acting in his own best interest, which is wild, right? Alone just let him be an idiot in front of everybody, but uh, he was instead uh, being disruptive and tried using the media and court as his own personal stage mm-hmm. to spread his his craziness. Well, you know, like he was trying to convince people he was Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and that they were persecuting the wrong person and like he called it persecution. Yeah. He didn't yeah. call it prosecution. Persecution. That's You're persecuting funny. me. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Nope. He had people killed. Yeah. It's called it's, a trial. <laughs> right. So most of this took place during a uh, jury selection uh, before the trial even started. Yeah. A lot of the shenanigans have already began. Oh, yeah. And also this prosecution was having a hard time getting Charles Tex Watson extradited back to California because he had gone home to Texas and hired an attorney there. Mm-hmm. The minute that he found out about the raids, mm-hmm. he was on a plane back to Texas. Yeah. He knew. He knew. That, right, let me get out of here. Yeah. He knew that the ship was going down. <laughs> so that's why his stuff, I guess, was tried separately because yep. they couldn't get him back to right. California. They had some trouble extraditing. I think it was Patricia Krenwinkel also, but she eventually just came back on her own. So oh, wow. she was able to be tried, tried with them. Okay. So the trial against uh, Charles Manson, Susan Atkins, Patricia uh, Krenwinkel, and Leslie Van Houten began on June 24th, 1970. The media caught Manson walking into the courtroom and noticed that he had carved an X into his forehead the night before. Yep. This this is the first thing, first day of, of the trial, the first thing the jurors see when he walks mm-hmm. in. He's yeah. got this crazy X carved into his forehead. Which later, you know, that X, he turned it into a swastika, swastika. right? Yeah, but mm-hmm. it started off as an X that he, okay. that he carved into his head. Wow. So after setting... After settling into the courtroom, the opening statements began, and the lead prosecutor, Vincent Bugliosi, I think, Bugliosi, announced the state's star witness as Linda Kasabian, stating that she would be able to match her story to the evidence that he planned to present, proving the guilt of the defendants. Mm -hmm. He also brought up the Helter Skelter movie, Charlie's... Oh, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) There it wasn't movie. his movie. There was a movie made. Called well, Helter Skelter, and right. it is about this. But, but no. it's the motive, sorry. <laughs> Charlie's uh, racism and began revealing Charlie's crazy family and their hippie lifestyle. Yes. So Charlie had ended up with an attorney who was known for dragging out cases by petitioning uh, for the cases to be dismissed, for changes to be made, etc., you know, other things going on. Yes, this guy, when I was reading the books and stuff, this guy, gosh, I wish I remembered his name or wrote it down, but he he had a reputation. Even judges cringed when they found out he was on a case because it didn't matter what the case was. He's going to try and file every kind of motion to get his, case, his clients off or he was going to object to absolutely everything he could object to. It's telling like it was more of annoyance, not so much of a, a good lawyer, just annoying as hell. That, to me, is what he sounds right? like. Right? Me too. That's the way like, I oh took it, gosh, too. I'm like, everyone guy, rolled their eyes, with... and they're like, oh, my gosh, we got to deal with this dude. Yeah, he, this... and that was his reputation. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if he got 
some clients off because judges were just like, I am not. He just wore them out. Yeah. (laughs) He just tired them out. Yes. That's what I wonder. That's it. Like, seriously. You had no skills in negotiating. You were just, (laughs) just in litigating. You're just, we're just going to tire you out. Yes. (laughs) So this posed a problem for even other defense attorneys. um, And the judge held him in contempt several times throughout the trial. Yeah. He actually had to go spend nights in jail. Wow. And then come back to court the next morning and not be allowed to go shower or change. He had to, That's awesome. He had to do, and the judge is like, nope, you'll that be brought like in. He's the perfect lawyer for <laughs> Mr. Manson. Could you imagine your own he attorney? He walks in with an X on his head? No, no I'm just kidding. No, but could you imagine your own attorney is being held in contempt of court? Yeah. But this is like he's following what Charlie wanted, too. Mm-hmm. Charlie's sure. calling the shots here. He's yeah. like, you won't let me defend myself. I'll tell my lawyer what to do. And mm-hmm. and this lawyer, instead of keeping his ethics and stuff, he's like, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever you want. It's all s- sensationalized. And yes. He's getting all this publicity. And they, even when it's bad, as they say, right? Right. But they say there's nothing, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Mm-hmm. Right. But the other defense attorneys for Susan Atkins and Patricia Curtin-Winkle and Leslie Van Houten, because they each had their own, even though they were all being tried at the same time, even they were getting exhausted from this guy. Yeah. They're just like, can we just stop? Yeah. Can we move on? Can we get this over? Yeah. So reports that Manson tried to bribe a guard unsuccessfully also came out the first day of the trial. And when that failed him, his fellow defendants carved X's into their heads. So when they returned to the trial the next day, the first thing everyone noticed was the X's. Yeah. And they did uh, they did this by heating up the ends of bobby pins and burning the X into their foreheads. Yeah, they basically branded X's into their foreheads. It's awesome. Instead of cutting them. And yeah. Stupid. <laughs> so this worked to show the media and the jurors that the girls were under Ma- uh, Manson's Mason's <laughs> Manson's control. So they didn't. Uh, this didn't help his cause, of course, at all. No. To see that. No, could you like put yourself in the place of the jury? One of the biggest arguments the prosecution is throwing out there is that Man- Manson had the con- mind control over all these people, yeah. and that he had the ability manipulate to, them and get them to, to do tell things. them to do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. Here he is in a completely different prison, and his three co-defendants, who are females, come into the courtroom after he's put an X in his head, and they now have the same symbol. Mm-hmm. Yep. Crazy. Like, like this just shows you. Yeah. Uh, me as a juror, I'm going, okay, yep, y'all are dumb. <laughs> you, you guys definitely did what he told you to right. do. Also, a day or so later, the family members, uh, they were starting to camp outside of the courthouse. Namely, Sandy, Squeaky, Gypsy, and most of the other family members did the same thing as well. Yeah. They even made it a ritual for any new members to do when they joined the family. And yes, people joined even after all this crap, too. Which is So they'd have them like, camp out there with them. Mm-hmm. I bet it was a big and hippie they, fest, right? Well, it was singing probably. songs. And I'm sure it was. I actually, I think, yes, I think they were doing all that. But for people who joined, they had to go and carve X's in their foreheads to show their loyalty and this kind of stuff. What? Yeah. And you know that Charles Manson and the rest of them are in prison for these heinous murders, these huge crimes, and you want to join the family. Because it's all sensationalized. It's What? 
like that people they want to be a part of something they want to get that notoriety they want to get their 15 seconds of fame or I what know. have you you're right that makes sense to me and then at the same times it just makes me cringe it's yeah. like that's just the dumbest shit i've ever heard people do it all the time so on the day um that started the linda kasabian's testimony Remember, she was there both nights during both murders, but she didn't participate, and she ended up being the state's key witness. So, again, to remind you of that. Yeah, so just real quick on this, I was reading an article yesterday because I like to do that even after I've done my research. One of the, the during the trial, when they were questioning her, when the defense attorney, whichever defense attorney it was, was questioning her, he tried to say that she could have gone and gotten help during these attacks. Mm-hmm. And that that they could have survived the attacks, but then the coroner comes back and he's like, "No, they wouldn't have. Their A orders were cut, yeah. and and some of these stab wounds were so lethal. Yeah, like there's nothing that she could and have. So done. many. It was it was yeah. There's no way. Yeah, but they were trying to turn her around and say, you know, basically, Linda, you let them die. Mm-hmm. That was your contribution by not uh, going and oh, and you know you. trying to get yep. her to be convicted too. I can kind of see, and I, I guess sure. you'd have to try, but she didn't do anything. It's part of the defense. Yeah, I and can I can see on the other side of that. Well, it's guilty by association because you know that has happened plenty of times. Exactly, yes. So yes. I'm surprised, but, you know, she's the state witness. She's the big one that'd be able to well, tell the accuracy she, of things. She, she was gets off, held right? in prison, and she, mm-hmm. I think she was eventually granted immunity, but mm-hmm. she was like, weeks into her i think she was on on the stand for like three weeks to a month i think so testifying we kind of talk about it in here too but she she was in there so like i think um it took that long to get them to agree to give her immunity so she was on her way to prison it was already going to happen and she wasn't trying to hide anything Mm -hmm. her testimony was actually fascinating to me like that that i would recommend go go and read that yeah three weeks worth of testimony is actually she doesn't hold back she doesn't try and portray herself as an innocent. She well, I think she's to... done with being a liar. Yeah. She's, she's done uh, living in a facade. She's ready to come clean and just, you know what? And she was coming clean. It was beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, really, if you read the, I know beautiful is a weird thing to say, but in the context of looking at this trial and knowing what they did and knowing how manipulative ever, you know Charlie was and all the mm-hmm. stuff that they had been through, that's the beauty in her coming clean. Well, it's clean. wild. Okay, but think about this as I just had an epiphany. <laughs> which doesn't happen very often uh once in a lifetime the hippie lifestyle and what they were the movement that they were she thought she was free at the time right yeah yeah but when she came clean and was able to not lie and tell everything that happened that's when she felt real freedom oh probably oh look it at set you. her free you know it really gave her freedom mm. i think all right charlie okay. i mean matt <laughs> <laughs> anyway so Sandra Good, Sandy from the family, confronted her, yelling, quote, you'll kill us all, you'll kill us all, end quote. And you would think this would cause her to be a bit um, put off, but she was strong during this whole thing. It didn't deter her at all. So Linda testified about the family's orgies, the drugs, Charlie's sermons, and so much more. She also, what? Yeah, she's she's the one who brought light into all the stuff that was going on. At the ranch and even before the ranch and mm-hmm. just the dumpster diving, all of that. Just everything. Everything that, that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the one who firsthand accounts. Yeah. And she also seemed to like she loved Charlie and the family, but she made sure she was telling the truth. All of it. Yeah. Even when it made her look bad. She didn't hold anything back. Just like we were talking. That's why I was saying. I think that's where she found her real freedom. 
Mm-hmm. It's being able to just, you know what? Because it makes, you know, anybody that has cobwebs in their lives when they just, they're on their deathbed and they're able to just tell it all. And then they can finally just rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the same. Like she was getting, she was, she was setting her peace. True. Again, like, as I said, you know, she didn't hold back any. And the funny thing is, is this is when Charlie had an outburst when Linda was testifying. Charlie suddenly said in court, quote, you already told three lies, end quote. And she said, quote, oh no, Charlie, I've spoken the truth as you know it, end quote. (laughs) Yeah. Like she wasn't going to back down. She's like, you know it. You know I'm telling truth. When I read that, I, and I was looking at that, and you said three lies, it reminded me of the Bible. Because, you know, Manson, he was big thinking he's, he's Jesus mm-hmm. or whatever, that he told Peter he's going to tell have uh, sin three times. Uh, so yeah, her three deny lies. Me three deny times. me three times. So mm-hmm. that's what, what made me think. Oh, of that yeah. Right oh. there. For, You've already told three lies. Oh, yeah. no, Charlie. Yeah. No asshole. <laughs> so, of course, all of this is reported on the news and in the papers because the case was so high profile. Even President Nixon was watching the drama <laughs> unfold. And on August 3rd, 1970, the media was headlining that President Nixon was claiming that Manson was guilty. Yes. And this didn't look good, <laughs> right? The President of the United States claiming the guilt before the trial was even over. Yes. And this I mean, is what I was talking about earlier, right? That yes. you thought I, yep, this you knew is what, what I was I saying? Thought, yeah. This is the part I thought you were referring to um, because it is a big deal when the President of the United States... He's already States, claiming their guilt before the trial's even over. Yes. like, And maybe he didn't know. Maybe he thought the trial was pretty well, it was done or it was already... Uh, or no. whatever. No, I think I don't know. what happened was he probably was talking about it with someone and it was overheard by the press and that they released the statement. You know, it's not like he went out and publicly publicly aired it in like a press conference or something. That's and he had, a mo- he had a moment of giving his real opinion, yes. his real thought. And, and, he, and he was got, like, whoops. <laughs> he got in trouble for that. So, yeah. So eventually, of course, his press secretary, Ron Ziegler, uh, doing a press release, basically apologized that the president misspoke and should have used the word alleged, uh, which he forgot to do. Yeah. So, that. no, really, he said, that asshole is guilty. Someone <laughs> overheard this yeah. and got it to the press, and now his, his press secretary is trying to clean up his mess. Yep. Dude, don't talk outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is what I was saying. This could have helped Manson. Yeah. Because his Charlie's attorney was trying to get a mistrial declared yeah. because of this. But the judge denied the motion. And the funny thing to come out of this was Charlie had slipped a note to the press through one of the defense attorneys saying, quote, here's a man who is accused of murdering hundreds of thousands in Vietnam who is accusing me of being guilty of either of either murders, end quote. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. But it, Well, no, it hit the times. But it, the hits, times. it hits the times. The times, you know, the Vietnam He's War. He's playing on, on people and how they feel their about emotions, everything. Their yes. emotions, Which he That's was, what he does. Yes, because he's hugely manipulative. Like, yes. he knew how to, he knew the exact right things to say. Yeah. And the next day, after, after the noon recess, Charlie suddenly stood up holding a copy of the front page of the Los Angeles Times, and he showed it to the jury, who, if you remember, was sequestered. They weren't supposed to see this stuff. A bailiff was able to grab it, but not before the jury saw the headline that Nixon declared Manson guilty. I wonder if his even lawyer slipped it to him. And gave oh, it to I'm him sure. I, I mean, I guarantee you Here his you go, lawyers Charlie. were constantly helping him to oh, try yeah. and get him off. That's oh, their yeah. job, right? Oh, but sure. To try and get him off anyway is mm-hmm. their job, not to supply him with the ammo and the, the stuff that he needs oh, to yeah. try getting his trials declared and things like that. But they were they were going out of their way to... To help this guy mm-hmm. passing notes to the press, mm-hmm. this leaving a freaking newspaper knowing that the jury's sequestered on the desk 
for him to be able to grab? Come on. Well, and most lawyers never get, but if they do get a high-profile case, it's like once in a lifetime. Right, right. So they're like, hey, I'm. I, this is my one. It was given to me. I'm going to take it to the next level here. Yeah, but you know what? In that respect, you're already on a high-profile case. Yeah. It doesn't well, matter if no you're the prosecutor you or the, the defense attorney. Have some dignity. Yes, <laughs> and just follow your ethical code or whatever you guys have right. to go by as, as attorneys. Yeah. Keep your clients' privileges and all that kind of stuff, but you don't have to try and help them get free right. Like in that way. Right. If you can get them freed by saying, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit, then mm-hmm. do it that way. That's yeah. the right way to go. Right. Yeah, well, so with Charlie, after he did this shenanigan and the bailiff was able to grab all that, it also it led to the court having to interview the jurors to find out their feelings and opinions so they could determine if they should continue. The next day, all three women defendants stood up and in unison said, quote, Your Honor, the president said we are guilty, so why go on with the trial? End quote. Yeah. So this is one of many times where they yeah. stood up and did a unison mm-hmm. thing that they mm-hmm. had organized the night before or something. Yeah. Even though I read that they were kept separate, so people don't know how they were able to discuss how they were going to pull these things off, but mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. They had probably notes from attorneys. Yeah, they had they had something mm-hmm. uh, to coordinate this. But it was one circus after the other from all over, not just the courtroom, but even throughout the public as high office, as the high office as the presidency, right? Yeah. So this was just totally nuts. And it didn't stop there. Linda Kasabian was granted immunity. And all charges were dropped against her after she was on stand for almost three weeks, which is a pro- was an eternity for her, yeah. I'm sure. And the family mirrored everything that was going on in the courtroom also. When Charlie and the girls put X's on their forehead, so did the family. When they shaved their heads, so did the family. They vowed not to leave until all of their family and their father were set free, and they compared the trial to, the uh, to quote, the second crucifixion of Christ. Even. Could you imagine yeah. that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, these people were so oh, wow. messed yeah. up. And also, witnesses were threatened and attacked. For example, Barbara Hoyt received a death threat against her and her family if she testified, and she was actually given a lethal dose of LSD to try to kill her. But she, she received medical attention that was able to. She was so able, she's to, able testify. to testify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after she recovered. But they did try mm-hmm. to kill her, yeah. and it was. Um, I think I'm saying this right. It's Weesh, I think, was mm-hmm. what she was called in the mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. who actually tried. She like flew to Hawaii where Barbara Hoyt was living mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. and hooked up with her. And they were catching up because she was a former member of the family, and got her to drop some LSD with her. But she OD'd her on yeah. purpose. Yeah, they they were able to track all of this back to I think I think you say it Weesh O U I S C H E. Wow, but. Yeah, they were able to get her for that. She almost killed the lady. Mm. So also the trial revealed that Charlie had a list of other actors and actresses that he had planned to murder. A couple on the list were Frank Sinatra and Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, and I think Steve McQueen was on there. like yeah, All sorts of folks. Yeah. So also on November 30th, 1970, Ronald Hughes, one of the defense attorneys, failed to show up to court and is never seen again. Yeah. And they, he's believed to be killed by the Manson yes, family. Yes, they think he pissed off Charlie enough during his defense, like he wasn't giving good enough arguments or he mm-hmm. wasn't really defending the way that Charlie thought he should be and he wasn't recusing himself Yeah, because he wanted him off the case. So he was never that's, seen again. That's wild. Ever. Yeah. 
So definitely got killed. Man. Definitely got killed. And and yeah, it's believed that Charlie had the family do it. Yeah. So tons of craziness and bizarre things happened during this trial. And finally, on January 25th, 1971, the jury convicts Charles Manson, Patricia Krenwinkel, Susan Atkins, and Leslie Van Houten of first-degree murder. And on March 29th, 1971, after the penalty phase of the trial, all four defendants are sentenced to death. Charles Tex Watson has been extradited to California, tried and convicted, also being sentenced to death mm-hmm. during this. So in the years after their convictions, their death sentences were commuted to life sentences, but not one of them uh, was ever paroled until July 23rd, 2020, when Leslie Van Houten was paroled at age 70. Yeah, last year. Just this last year. Yeah, last year, one mm-hmm. of them finally, yeah. finally got paroled. One. Yeah. And every time they came up for parole until then, denied. Tex Watson is still in prison and is now a minister, having found God in prison. Susan Atkins died in prison in 2009. And Patricia Krenwinkel is in Chino, California, serving her sentence and working in rehabilitative programs in prison. And Charles Manson passed away on November 19, 2017, in prison at the age of 83. And he died of natural causes. Mm-hmm. And I, I was reading another article where it looked like his grandson um, had him like done up nicely in a casket and stuff, mm-hmm. and then had him cremated. So there was he had a there was a girl. Uh, I don't know if he got married during prison, but he wanted to get. Uh, they, she planned on getting married to him. She had been a pen pal girlfriend for like nine years and went to the prison to see him. Hmm. But. It was found out she was trying to to get him to marry her or what have you, and once uh, he passed away, she was going to do like the way she would have his body so it could be shown so she could get tons of money from it so people could come view his body. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is sick! The way I would have gone to, to, in, to embalm <laughs> him in a certain way, right where it just kept him. That's for so years messed and up, years. but I would have gone. Yeah. I would have gone. I to read see that. Him. <laughs> <laughs> So bad. I'm glad that didn't happen because right. people don't need to see no, that. But no. but honestly, I think I would have been one of those sick people who would have been on like, hey, we got to go see this. Just oh, <laughs> but then that's giving reverence to somebody like that. I know. I know. I Well, and that's I'm glad it didn't happen then, yeah. you know, but I'm just being honest. Yeah. I, I hey, would no, have wanted good. to go yeah, see just tell, tell, tell how you feel. As in most of these cases, unfortunately, we overlook the lives and the deaths of the victims and we concentrate on the absolute insanity of the murders. And it's because I think we can't understand how anyone can take anyone else's life, let alone take it in a brutal and necessary way. Sharon Tate was eight months pregnant with a baby boy. Jay Sebring was spending the night at her home while her husband was away to help take care of her. Abigail Folger and Wojtek, golly, these names. Frykowski. Wojtek Frykowski. Mike Wazowski. Right. We're friends of Romans and we're always staying at the house, almost like parting freeloaders, but they were always there. In the book Helter Skelter, when the family entered the home, Sharon and Jay were in Sharon's room talking and Abigail was reading in her room. They saw the family walking through the house, but they didn't think anything of it because they didn't know that they were intruders. Yeah. They probably thought, oh, some other people just well, coming over they to hang always out. Had, yeah, they always had people in and out of the house all the time yeah. to the point where they didn't even question the fact That's wild too. that they yeah. saw them walking through yeah. the house. It's a perfect storm. This alone is one of the most terrifying parts of the whole thing to me, that the family roamed freely and seen before they committed their crimes. Yes. Not to mention Sharon begging for the life of her unborn baby and Susan Atkins telling her she had no mercy on her. Mm-hmm. 
And it's true that these crimes didn't show any mercy of any of them. And it's because some brainwashed, drugged out kids in the 60s worshipped a man who didn't have all his ducks in a row. And very sad, but all fascinating, I recommend that you guys read, of course, the Helter Skelter book. Mm-hmm. And that you also read the book Chaos. Uh, yes. Charles Manson, the CIA, and the secret history of the 60s. Those two books are so good. Yeah. So good. What I, I like Helter Skelter because it tells the viewpoint from the prosecuting attorney and it tells in-depth details about the case that just you wouldn't even know if you even watching the movies, reading other unless you're reading other books in depth and you're really into this case, you're not gonna know. Yeah. Um, so it's worth it. But the chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the secret history of the sixties. This guy who wrote this book, he was going out to do a, a magazine article yeah. on anniversary of the Manson murders or something. I can't remember which one. And what was only supposed to take a couple of weeks ended up consuming 20 something years of his life wild? while he wrote this book because he was uncovering he stuff. He went down the rabbit hole of rabbit Big holes. time. Big time. And not just mm-hmm. one. It was like 20. Tons. <laughs> 20 rabbit holes. It just kept taking just him kept somewhere going. else. Yes. And this book is so worth it. Go read the book. It's so good. Investigative reporters, some of them are just, I mean, amazing what the things that they are able to find and uncover. And for people to trust them that they're not going to say anything, who told them this information, you know, it's huge, especially in today's times, I think. Right. So, Yeah, great book. So that concludes our Charles Manson story. We'll um, post the links on our website if you want to check it out at wickednesstruecrimetheunknown.com. You can find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness, where you can also support us if you feel like lending your support by clicking on the support button. We are on Instagram. Go ahead and follow us at Wickedness True Crime. And if you can, if you want to contact us, send us an email at wickednesstruecrime at yahoo.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. We hope you guys keep coming back and listening to us. We yeah. we like bringing them to you, so we enjoy having some listeners to actually listen to this crap. But <laughs> until next week, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you all later. Heck yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye.